0: So one of the common misconceptions I hear about Kotlin is that it's Google's new language that they created specifically for Android. But if we look at the larger evolution of the Kotlin ecosystem, we see very clearly that Kotlin extends far beyond just Android applications. Welcome to the Goobar podcast, where we talk about building great software and helping others do the same. Here we have short chats about things like software development and building your ideal career in tech. We aim to foster a sense of community, connection, and inspiration, so we can all continue to dream, learn, and create. Hey, devs! This week, we're taking a look at my favorite programming language, Kotlin. What's the state of Kotlin in 2021? What's the ecosystem look like? And how is Kotlin being used? keep listening to find out kotlin just celebrated the 10th anniversary of its first commits which started back in 2010 so here in 2021 kotlin will be going on 11 years old which is honestly pretty hard for me to believe still i can still remember when i first heard about it first started playing with it it felt very new and exciting it's really cool to see far Kotlin has come. As of today, the latest release of Kotlin is 1.4.21. I'll have a link to the the releases of Kotlin in the show notes if you want to check those out. But if you look back through those releases from the past year or two, you see that we're getting about one major release a year. Last year, that was Kotlin 1.4.0. And we're getting several incremental and bug fix releases throughout the year. So what does this mean for us? What can we kind of extrapolate from this for 2021? Well, it means we're likely to see Kotlin 1.5 come stable, and we're probably going to see some follow-up releases like 1.5.1 and maybe 1.5.2. So we'll see usually the, the big new features coming in the major release, within smaller features, uh, bug fixes and such coming in those small ones. So we can feel fairly confident that the language is going to continue to evolve, but we're unlikely to see too much in the way of big, exciting new things, or also in the way of things such as breaking feature changes, which is a good thing. It helps us be predictable in how we go about integrating these changes and adopting them into our projects. So again, if we look back at the past year, maybe a little bit longer, you know, we've seen Kotlin coroutines become stable. Additionally, we've seen flow and then state flow and shared flow. So I've seen a lot of work kind of in the core language for uh, improving asynchronous programming and making it easy to use and, and efficient. We've seen... Kotlin Multi Platform Mobile released in alpha form. We've seen a lot of work on a new IR backend for all Kotlin executable targets, you know, for JVM, for Kotlin Native, or Kotlin JS. We've also seen Jetpack Compose start to mature for Android, while Compose for Desktop and even Compose for Web are really ramping up. So, all of this stuff is really happening. Uh, in the open you know Kotlin continues to evolve with a lot of visibility with a lot of public input and you can find language proposals and discussion about those proposals on on github it's pretty easy to find i'll keep a link to it in the show notes but it's at github.com slash Kotlin slash keep and you can see how people are talking about this you can see where the language might be going it's really interesting it's a great way to learn about how the the language design process goes on. It's a great way to get a better understanding of the the kind of the mindset or or the goals and thinking beyond Kotlin and where the language is going. Definitely worth poking around in there and just exploring that if you've never done so. You know, like I mentioned, GitHub is the place where we can go to learn more about Kotlin, see the code. And the, the Kotlin repo on GitHub right now sits at around 450 contributors with nearly 72,000 commits, which is a a huge project. Lots of contributors are really cool to see all that work being done. And it's so amazing. I think that we can go and actually see such a popular language being developed kind of out in the open. You can go and start looking through source code. It's really neat that we are kind of in that day and age of of open source and everything being so accessible to us uh, with something like GitHub. Now, during the the past 10 to 11 years of growth and evolution, Kotlin has gone from kind of the scrappy new language on the block to the second most popular JVM language behind Java, or at least according to the uh, JVM ecosystem report that came out in early 2020. Again, I'll have a a link to that in the, the show notes. According to that report, Kotlin accounted for around five and a half percent of JVM language usage trailing by a large margin to Java's dominance at 87 percent. So clearly Java is not going anywhere. Kotlin's not taking over for Java anytime soon, but we are seeing Kotlin sort of outpace other JVM languages such as Scala. Now, while it's maybe not dominating the JVM ecosystem yet. Since Google first announced support for Kotlin back in 2017, Kotlin's popularity among mobile developers has definitely grown rapidly. In 2019, Kotlin became Google's recommended language for Android, which fueled that even more. And today, Google's numbers claim that over 60% of professional Android developers are using Kotlin and that 70% of the top 1,000 apps on Google Play are using Kotlin. Now we should probably take these numbers with a grain of salt, but it does suggest that Kotlin is being used widely in the Android development ecosystem and that it's gaining traction because just a few years ago, those numbers would have been much, much smaller. So I think this uh, suggests that Kotlin definitely has found a strong community within Android and will likely continue to grow um, especially with google's mindset of kotlin first these days the fact that kotlin is the default the recommended language for android we're just going to see kotlin's popularity continue to grow in that space this podcast is supported by awesome listeners like you if you enjoyed the podcast and find this episode useful please consider subscribing and leaving a review it helps out the show and lets me know how to best serve you all with future episodes. If you have a question or would like to suggest a future topic idea, I'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at goobar.io for your question or topic to possibly be featured in a future episode. And now let's get back to more Kotlin. So as Kotlin has grown older, it has continued to evolve. 2020 saw a big change to that evolution story when uh, Roman Elizarov took over for Andrei Breslov as the new project lead. Roman was the the driving force behind Kotlin Coroutines, so he's a very great choice uh, for taking over on the project here. Uh, I have no doubt that the future of Kotlin is in great hands, and we've seen that since that transition, we've seen that in the months um, since then with the the roadmaps ahead, just the way that nothing has really gone off the rails. We just feel very confident that Kotlin is going to continue to evolve in a very positive direction. Now, as we start looking in that direction, I think there's three areas that sort of I have seen and also three areas that kind of come through when you start looking at the, the Kotlin public roadmap. And so those Three areas as as I'll describe them are continued growth into server-side JVM applications, continued development of Jetpack, compose, uh, compose for desktop, compose for web, and then just the general Kotlin multi-platform story as well. So one of the common misconceptions I hear about Kotlin is that it's Google's new language that they created specifically for Android. But if we look at the larger evolution of the Kotlin ecosystem, we see very clearly that Kotlin extends far beyond just Android applications. Today, there are a number of Kotlin-based frameworks for building server-side applications as well. We have uh, Ktor, which is from JetBrains, and they've been working on, which is built from the ground up using Kotlin as a solution for asynchronous client server work. So with Ktor, you can build fully functional uh, web-based applications, whether that's a backend, whether that's your front end, you can use it for client server work and multi-platform projects. It's really a, a cool, easy to to use a library. Um, and if you are familiar with Kotlin and maybe not so familiar with um, writing kind of client server code, I'd encourage you to check it out because it's, like I said, it's easy to get up and running with, and you can actually start learning a lot just about building a simple. A server application while using a language that you're comfortable, which is really helpful. Now, beyond KTOR, Spring Boot has really strong support for Kotlin and the, the Spring and Spring community, or excuse me, the Spring and Spring Boot community have you know wide adoption. So the fact that Kotlin is um works great in those ecosystems, works great with that tooling. I think we'll continue to see more and more Kotlin in that space. And then there's some other kind of more, more niche frameworks here as well that are taking advantage of Kotlin. And one of those that I hear people mention, um, from time to time is Quarkus, which is a JVM based framework for building microservices, and they continue to invest support in Kotlin as well. And, and another one that I I don't know as much about, but I believe is HTTP 4k, I think, this one I didn't have in my notes, but I'm just mentioning off the top of my head. Uh, but but yeah, so we see that you know there's development of multiple frameworks out there for writing server-side code in Kotlin. I, I also see anecdotally more uh, developers and, and dev teams that seem to be using Kotlin for back-end code. So I think that's a, a trend that we will continue to see in 2021 and beyond. Now, if you're an Android dev, one trend that you've probably already been following and are really excited to see evolve is that of Jetpack Compose. If you're not familiar, Jetpack Compose is the new in development UI toolkit for Android. This work is super exciting on its own and looks to transform modern Android development. But even more intriguing beyond that is the work being done to make Compose a cross platform solution for UI development in general. Compose for desktop is already available for preview and compose for web is at least being played with to some extent with hints that, you know, more work and more official support will be coming down the line. Now, from a more technical look at this, a lot of the, the work supporting compose is all being done under the hood and kind of based on the updated IR backend for, for, you know, Kotlin JVM, Kotlin JS and Kotlin native targets. Now the, the IR or intermediate representation provides a, a more unified compiler backend for building all Kotlin executables. So it means that as the, as the compilation process is happening, there is more of a shared pipeline going from Kotlin to each of sort of the, the negative, the, the native executable targets, whether you're compiling for JVM or Kotlin JS or for a native Platform like iOS. So, for us as developers, this hopefully means that we're going to get features faster, we're going to get better optimized compilation processes, um, more bug fixes, all with more efficient um, execution from the, the JetBrains team. It also likely means then that, you know, as this IR backend and compiler plugin mature, we'll likely start to see even faster evolution of things like Compose. Um, because of the fact that they're built pretty heavily on um, compiler plugins and, and some of this backend work. So as all that stuff starts to mature, I think this year, um, I think we're going to start to see some pretty exciting stuff coming out of Compose across the different platforms. And I think the the reason that, at least for me, that the different Compose uh, variants are really interesting is because of the work that JetBrains has been doing and investing into Kotlin Multiplatform. Last year in 2020, we saw the first official alpha release of Kotlin Multiplatform Mobile, which you can find a link for in the show notes to to learn more about that. But basically Kotlin Multiplatform Mobile is kind of a a smaller, tailored set of tooling APIs and libraries specific to the Kotlin Multiplatform use cases of building mobile apps. So it kind of leverages the Kotlin multi-platform technology and then adds in uh, plugins and tooling and whatnot to kind of package it into a little bit more of a polished experience specific for mobile apps. And if you haven't tried it yet, I, I highly encourage you to give it a shot. The technology has really come a long way in the past year, and it's become pretty straightforward to start sharing business logic between iOS and Android. Uh, We recently started playing with this uh, on my team at work, and within a day or two, we were able to really validate that this would be a viable solution for us and are now currently actively working on shipping some Kotlin multi-platform code into production. We feel very strongly in it for our use case of sharing some simple sort of analytics code between both Android and iOS. Now, if you wanna start, doing more code sharing, especially beyond just very simple things like strings or some simple classes. Uh, the, the developer ecosystem around Kotlin Multiplatform has really evolved to support this more complex development. There are now c- quite a few open source libraries available for common functionality, such as logging, networking, uh, GraphQL, Firebase, analytics, and much more. This really starts to empower devs to focus on building products rather than on infrastructure and tooling, which should only help drive adoption of Kotlin multi-platform even further. And if you want to check out the the list of Kotlin multi-platform libraries, I'll have the the link to that in the show notes. In 2021, we'll likely see further refinement of the multi-platform mobile story while also seeing improvements to the, the Kotlin native side of things and some of the other targets as well. You know, Kotlin JS, for example. I, I also hope that we start to see more success stories from teams using this technology and, and more tutorials for devs looking to learn more about Kotlin multi-platform. I think there's still a lot of trail to be blazed in this regard on the developer education side. And I think it'll really help As the tooling stabilizes, it'll become easier to kind of create tutorials and it'll become easier for others to learn, which then hopefully just drives adoption even further. Now, the the last thing I just wanna touch on for the, the state of Kotlin 2021 is where you can go to learn more about all things Kotlin. Now, there's a lot of resources out there and it can be difficult to sift through all of them and find what you're looking for. If you're just starting out with the language, then you probably want to learn some fundamentals, which thankfully doesn't change as often with new releases, which means that older learning resources are usually okay. And I have a couple that I think are still quite helpful. So I have several playlists on my YouTube channel that help learn the basics of Kotlin syntax, how to create a simple project where you can start playing with Kotlin. I'll have the link to all of these learning resources in the show notes. Uh, I also have a two and a half hour course on free code camp that compiles a lot of these smaller tutorials into one larger single tutorial. And if you like books, you can check out my book mastering Kotlin on Amazon, which does a pretty good job. I think of digging into the, the fundamentals of the language and then going a little bit deeper to help you understand why. You want to follow uh, certain paradigms or certain Kotlin idioms and kind of helping you understand a little bit more what's going on under the hood and then uh, introducing you to maybe a couple of different uh, types of development you can do with Kotlin at the end of the book. So those three resources I think are are quite good to help you understand the fundamentals of Kotlin. Now, if you're looking to use Kotlin to build Android apps, the good news is that most tutorials these days are using Kotlin. So Google has several courses for building Android apps with Kotlin, and I'll link to uh, those courses down below. I have a nine week series on Android fundamentals with Kotlin that I taught at a local university last year. Um, So I have all nine of those lectures in a playlist on YouTube and you can check those out. I think it's roughly 15 hours worth of content. So it does a pretty deep dive into building a, a simple Android app using Kotlin, using some of the uh, Android Jetpack libraries. And then uh, on YouTube as well, You know, there's two awesome YouTube channels that uh, most of you are probably very familiar with at this point, because they have, I think both probably by the time you're listening to this will have over 100,000 subscribers, but uh, Coding with Mitch and Coding in Flow, both have a lot of great con- tutorials, and many of which are using Kotlin these days. I think in particular, Mitch's channel has an awesome series going on lately, specifically for Jetpack Compose. So that'd be a great resource to check out. And then finally, just a couple miscellaneous things here. Uh, if you want to stay up to date on just the, the Kotlin ecosystem or some of the more cutting edge stuff, definitely check out the Talking Kotlin podcast. Uh, It's a great resource. Talk to a lot of different developers in the community who are doing interesting things with Kotlin. Great way to stay up to date. Another interesting resource out there is Compose Academy, which is a website developed by Joe Birch, who is a great developer, a great guy, Google developer expert. And he's put together this um, website for people to start learning Jetpack Compose. And you can find that at uh, compose.academy. Nice little bite-sized tutorials on very specific, um, pieces of, of functionality and specific APIs, uh, that you can leverage to start building apps with jetpack compose. And then lastly, there is now an official Kotlin YouTube channel as well. There's not a lot of content there yet, but I imagine, and I am hoping it'll become a pretty good resource for new info moving forward. So you can find a link to that Kotlin YouTube channel again in the show notes down below going to wrap it up there because that was a lot. And at this point, you know, talking too much more would start to be just conjecture and I don't want to uh, drag on for too much longer. So, you know, we looked at a lot of things. We looked at where Kotlin is today, how it's been evolving and some of the areas where I think we'll see continued investment in 2021. Uh, I know I dropped a lot of links. So again, all of those links will be in the notes. So you can find the learning resources, some of the the numbers, some of the frameworks and things, if you want to learn more about any of that stuff. If you enjoyed the episode, please, I would encourage you to to leave a review or leave a a shout out on social media or something. And and be sure to subscribe for future chats about software development and career. And remember, if you have questions or topic ideas, I'd love to hear from you. And you can send those into podcast at goobar.io for your question and idea to possibly be featured in a future episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Remember to dream, learn, and create, and I'll catch you all in the next episode. Until next time, devs.